0: Hey, it's Carlin Richard here to tell you that all of the NDC conferences this year are going online. You can still attend the workshops and sessions, but from the comfort of your own home. NDC Sydney is October 12 to 16. So go to
1: ndcsydney.com to register. Check out the full lineup of conferences at ndcconferences.com.
0: Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, you know what? We're still not able to leave our homes. Oh. <laughs>
1: I go, I walk the dog, but very slowly because he's an old dog.
0: Yeah, I, I actually do get out. But, you know, I, one thing I just miss is going to restaurants and being with people.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wait, our, some of our restaurants are open and they've done the good spacing and stuff. But, you know, the, level, the numbers are going back up again. I think we're, all this is going to get
0: shut down again. I think so, too. Yep, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's what happens.
1: How's your pandemic going?
0: <laughs> it sucks.
1: How's yours? I'm getting all kinds of maintenance done in the house, right? Like, oh yeah, this is the longest stretch I've been home in 20 years. I mean, a, it's remarkable. Law and still married.
0: It's, I was <laughs> gonna say. Doesn't she usually look at you after a few weeks and say, don't you have somewhere to yeah, go? three
1: weeks. She's like, don't you have somewhere to go? And that now <laughs> her answer is, I'm going to the coast. You don't need to come. Uh, <laughs> but you remember, you know, how, how long have I been telling a joke? I think I've been jet lagged since 2001. Right. May not have been a joke. Because <laughs> after like three months of being home, like the Fitbit sleep quality monitor on me, they jumped up like 20%. Wow. Like it's, and, and now I'm worried. Now I'm thinking like, when this ends and we do start traveling again, I may not put up with it. I mean, it's just like, hey, I know what real sleep's like now and uh, kind of want to keep that. I'm an old man now. Yeah, well. I can't take yeah. this travel. Have you seen
0: this beard I'm growing?
1: Holy <laughs> man. <laughs> it's very gray. Very gray.
0: Hey, man, I have something y for Better Know Framework, so...
1: Well, play that funky music and wasm me.
0: Play that funky music. away white, the boys. All right, man. What do you got? This is a a wasm-based video toolkit that modifies videos on your machine without uploading them. It's modfee.video. M-O-D-F-Y dot video Because spelling words correctly is too hard Yeah well apparently modify dot video Is taken so Probably they taken. Okay. Drop the, the I mod- They should have done I mod fee Because that would have been hipper <laughs> yeah. And possibly All invoke word, a, and They're
1: just in the wrong order
0: yeah, Possibly invoke a lawsuit from Apple But <laughs> yeah can put so, I in front of anything
1: anymore Exactly really? yeah That's why Iceland's having such a tough time
0: Right they can't do I Claudius on stage anymore Um <laughs> All right, so this is actually using under the hood a public domain tool uh called ffmpeg.wasm. So you know what ffmpeg familiar. is, right?
1: Yeah, that's the that's, that's the old MP3 guys. Frauhofer?
0: Well, ffmpeg is a library that does all sorts of video and audio stuff and it's all command line and standard in and standard out and everybody's been using it for any kind of transcoding yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Right. So they basically ported that to WebAssembly. Wow. And now modfee.video is using that so that you can, and here's the checklist of what you can do. Convert video from any format. Compress video. Uh, it has complete modular design with CLUI, CLUI, command line interface. I'm pretty sure that's what that means. Uh, community workflows. And of course, it's fully open source. So check it out. That's amazing wasm yeah you don't want to pay for Adobe Premiere yeah hmm. well or, I mean just to
1: convert a file format right just like, to convert a file up? yeah I've got handbrake right which is a free downloadable thing handbrake is a good one too yeah yeah but you know the the download nothing just go to a web page and do it Hard to argue.
0: You know what I like FFmpeg for? For stuff like if you just want to edit the audio right. of an MP four file, and you don't want to completely re encode the video because that would right. degrade the value. You just want to replace the audio. Yeah. This this is the kind of stuff you can do with it. Yeah, M- yeah, it's MP- what you'd
1: need. That's very cool. FFM. thought. Yeah. Rather than stripping stripping the audio, making your changes, adding it, mixing it back in, like, hello. Yep. That's yeah. It's a lot of work.
0: I just want to cool, edit man. the audio and then replace it. All right. So uh, that's what I got. What do you got? I grabbed a comment off a of show 1706. The one we did with
1: how she buy when we were talking about Dapper. Well received. Lots of folks excited about that. How she had a good time with us. Yep. Dapper's Super cool. Yeah. And that's, you know, just a few weeks ago for us. Yep. Uh, and, and uh, have a couple of comments all from Fallon who commented, it sure would be nice to be able to use Dapper without Docker. Hmm which was a pause for me. And then he responded to himself a couple of days later saying, okay, I kind of see why Dapper uses Docker. Redis isn't supported on Windows. Docker kind of makes it easier to get supported products. Uh, It also makes it easy to switch between running on Windows servers and Linux servers. So I guess I'm warming up to a bit, but I would still like to see a pure .NET core version. I'm like, huh, yeah, you know, containers, I mean, admittedly, containers on windows is still not as good as it should be yeah it's getting better so but i think it's inevitable but this you know i feel like if you're resisting containers you're resisting it's like resisting virtualization like it's it's the future it's the way things are going and if you're frustrated with it right now it's like just wait the tooling will keep getting better right um but well taken dappers interesting and yeah they've sort of hooked their ship to this container model and Docker is the de facto it's for kinda, better or worse.
0: kind of not a fad.
1: It's kind of kind of here to stay. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Yeah. The, but it, and it is interesting. It's a, It does add a bar of, of a way to think and a way to develop and so forth. Right. So, uh, and Fallon's using like Neo from the Matrix as his uh, avatar. So, clearly very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Fallon, for your comment. A copy of Muse to Go buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Muse to Go by, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks. We publish every show there. And if you comment
0: there and I read on the show, we'll send you a copy of Muse to buy And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell and I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet because we'll replace all the text without degrading the quality. It's, <laughs> you don't have to worry did about that. JPEG text? Is that what I, you did? You I did just that? did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we will not re-render. We promise. (laughs) Uh, Okay. There is the T-shirt. We might retweet.
1: The the future will not be re-rendered. Okay.
0: (laughs) Future (laughs) has already been re-rendered, man. Re-rendered every day. We render this. That's what I'm going to say. My T-shirt's going to
1: say. Now we're getting more Matrix references. That's how this (laughs) day's going.
0: Okay. Let's introduce Mike. So, Mike Richter is a cloud solution architect on Microsoft's One Commercial Partner Team. Over his 20-plus year career, he's had roles as a software engineer, a full-stack developer, a product owner, and a technical evangelist. Today, he helps Microsoft partners build compelling solutions for their customers on Azure, Microsoft's cloud platform. Mike, I what's Azure? That. I've never heard of Azure. Yeah, what's, what is this thing? Can we start <laughs> with that? <laughs> <laughs> that's thing. like some new, some new Microsoft app for Windows, right?
2: It's actually uh, Microsoft Azure for Enterprises 2020 version two. I'm not <laughs> sure if you've got the latest.
0: I like this guy. You can stay.
1: Oh wow, you that's funny. The Architecture foundation at least. That's <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Come on, you don't know what Azure is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I was, when i was searching out comments and things for the show which i you know do on a regular basis we have a tag filter and i actually went to filter by azure uh we have over 200 shows tagged with azure already yeah i you do know it's like it's uh and it's only been ten, it's only been 10 years right I, and remember those early days of just the web role app role and we did a yeah. few shows and then at some point i i, I think i said to Vishwas, it's like listen I'm not doing another Azure show until somebody brings me a case study because this is all seems very cool and I think nobody's using it.
0: <laughs> and and it was Pluralsight was the case study, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and
1: uh, yeah, it did come along, right? It took a little while, but you know, the, the right customer, the right people. I mean, all, they also, you know, the side effect of early adopters is they're kind of secretive too. Like if mm. they're getting a competitive advantage, they don't want to talk about it. Yep. So it took a while to sort of reveal that story. But of course, all that changed with website.
2: Well, what was interesting also is that when I returned to Microsoft five years ago, five and a half years ago, mm-hmm. we would spend a week to do this kind of internal upskilling, and with the expectation that we'd get to level two hundred on everything in Azure, right? Right. And, that, and now, I mean, that that's impossible,
1: right? Mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, not, that's not happening.
2: Yeah. There, there, there's, there, there's, uh. There's, I don't know how to say this, <laughs> there's, there's more
1: about Azure that I don't know than I do know,
0: probably. That describes <laughs> yeah, every one I mean, of us.
1: Yeah. Every, yeah, you know, I, I, The question in my mind is really, how many products are there in Azure now? I don't know that anybody can even answer that question, much less understand
0: them. Because the I've, list is spectacular. I think Joel Hewlin is the only human that I know. Who knows where all the things are hiding in Azure? All the things. All the things. Man.
2: I've heard um, one estimate, and I don't, I don't know how they measured, but there were about 500 different services in Azure. Wow. Now, that might yeah. be one service with multiple tiers. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a
1: lot. Hmm. There's a lot. There's yeah. other way to describe it. It's a lot. But you don't need to know them all. I mean, th- there are areas you get to work. So I guess this opens up our conversation here. Right. So you're yeah. talking about moving the .NET app to, to, the, to the cloud. What are you talking about doing?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm talking about moving .NET <laughs> to <It's> the cloud. <laughs> so uh, I, I give you a quick background on where mm-hmm. this is coming from. You know, I think, uh, especially with the way... Um, the world's been the past six months. Um, We've just seen a lot of interest from customers who've got, you know, kind of these traditional .NET applications, line of business applications, homegrown stuff um, that are running an office somewhere in a data center on a corporate network, but no one's there anymore, right? Right. so, So more than ever, there's been this need to move those workloads somewhere where everyone can access them. And so um, we're really trying to design uh, a program to help um, move these applications and, and, and modernize them at the same time, not just move them to VMs, right, and do a lift and shift, right. but get some, you're going to the cloud, let's get some benefit out of doing
1: that. Right. And, and over on the run as side, the IT show, we've had this conversation a bunch of times where we said pretty point blank, if you take a set of VMs you're currently running on-prem and you biff them into Azure, you are not going to be happy with what that costs you in, in terms of 24-hour-a-day operating VM.
2: Oh, yeah. 100%. You can't... I mean, lift and shift, there, there, there's a, there is a place and time for that. There is a need. You need to get out of your data center. There, 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 there may be a reason, but long-term, you're not going to be happy. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, I can attest to that myself because I am stuck (laughs) in a VM right now for a couple of websites that have so many things. I just, I'm putting it off the, you know, moving things. Unpeeling that onion. Oh yeah. It's going to be painful. Yeah. But necessary. Yeah. And we we do do some things to make it easier
2: to run on a VM. You know, there is a lot of the cloud um, providers now have reserved instances, right? So if you make a a multi-year commitment it's, it's a little cheaper um but uh yeah it's still not going to be as advantageous as using like a a platform as a service
1: yeah but that being said you're still saying are you suggesting we shouldn't move our vms up first or is, or is that just the first step or should we try and start decomposing into different roles and things while we're still running on prem?
2: yeah yeah if you can move to a platform as service, if you can re-architect, why would you move the VMs? If, if you needed right. to, like I said, if you need to, if there are services that you can't access now and and moving that to Azure will fix that, then yeah, do that. But but like you said, long-term, you're not going to be happy with, with that. The total cost of ownership um, of VMs is way higher than using yeah. um, a service.
1: Right. So there's always going to be this pressure to, get off that VM at some point? Uh,
2: well, uh,
1: there, there'll be a financial pressure for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I've, I've met a few CFOs. So, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's confused about what it takes to simply shift a VM into, into Azure. What's the process for getting off the VM and still having the product run in the cloud? So for...
2: Um... .NET workloads, right? Um, but mm-hmm. really for, for, for most workloads, but but let's focus for .NET right now.
0: And you are uh, talking ASP.NET, obviously. Let's not confuse people.
2: A- A- ASP.NET, .NET Core, yes. Yes. Yeah. Web, web-based APIs, right, exactly.
0: Web.NET. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, if you have Windows services and, and other .NET kind of client-side that .NET, um there, there are, uh, yeah, there are VMs. There's remote desktop, right? There's um, Windows. Yeah. Uh, yeah there, there's those solutions, but for your applications, you know, um, uh, web-based applications. Yeah. There, there are a few things you could do. Um, app Service, right? Azure App Service is probably the the, the main target for yeah. those services, um, and that's kind of our like you were mentioning. Um, before Carl, um, Azure websites, right? That was kind yeah. of the 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 first version, right? Yeah. Of a- Azure App right. Service. That's kind of the premier platform as a service offering. Yep,
1: yeah. and it, and it is rather web server ish, but it is sort of the core. I mean, if there's one thing you need to know on 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 Azure, it's App Service.
2: If you're if you're going to be building web applications, yes, yeah. right. And there are, you know, we've got. Um, um, kubernetes now as your kubernetes service um, so there are other compute options right mm-hmm. um, and we could talk about how you would choose these, these different ones but uh, mm-hmm. yeah but for app service if you're going to be building web apps um, I, I, either ones that you've built or um, you know existing kind of package cots type applications uh, I would look at app service as as your first um, uh, target in azure
1: I agree yeah should i be considering containers right off the bat or is that after i've got it into app servers and now i could talk about container
2: well for containers it depends <laughs> I'm gonna say it depends a lot probably <laughs> but but uh from what we what i've seen right um and, and our team what we've seen is when uh customers and partners are bringing solutions that um don't require containers, then you can, and you have the source code and you can deploy that um, to App Service and that works great. There are situations where um, that won't work, right? Because um, when you move to App Service, we own the operating system, right? The platform owns right. the operating system. And if you uh, are using some code that requires uh, some com object to be in some folder somewhere, or you need the GAC configured a certain way, right? My cat uh, does that. <laughs> Your what?
0: My cat GACs all the, the time. <laughs> gack, gacked GACs all over my Herman Miller Aeron chair the other day. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so I'm so sorry. in in those situations right then you may need to containerize right but app service yeah. is still a target right for those containerized applications right you can okay. you can just point uh, the app service to your container you can actually have uh, multi container solutions so you can have your app running in one container and SQL server running in another container and and point that to uh to um, app service.
0: I'll, I'll tell you what's awesome about app service if you're, you know, a lot of people use cu- um, Kubernetes and stuff to scale up, but auto-scaling an app service is really easy. And it, It's just like, okay, when you, know, you have a bunch of rules, right? You can say when the CPU reaches 80% for 10 minutes, start another instance and, uh, and it just scales it up, scales it out and scales it back down. When it's done, it's pretty compelling. Yeah,
2: it's interesting. We have this debate a lot about Kubernetes and 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 is that the right modernization path? And it's interesting. You know, I have um, some partners that I work with build solutions in Kubernetes and are not ready for the operational complexity that it right. can That's bring. Right. And yeah. And you have in Azure a control plane, and with Kubernetes now, even in our managed Kubernetes, you now have another control plane you have to deal with. And you know, I guess if you're if you're going to be building a new SaaS service with hundreds yeah. of microservices with teams behind each of them, and you're all going to be you're going to be doing this Facebook or Netflix style, right? Right. And then, then Kubernetes might be the right orchestrator for that. Right. But but if you're not at that scale, I don't know if you get a huge benefit from the complexity. You know, right. um, you, you can build microservices and build that whole architecture in Azure App Service. You can even scale uh, the services differently um,
1: within that service. Well, and especially if we're talking about migrated apps, like if it had that demand level on premises, you're probably already using a fairly sophisticated scaling architecture because it was working on premises. Mm hmm. Well, well, it seems more likely that people are not doing that on premises. These use our smaller apps. They're trying to move up that are essential.
2: Yeah, and then and then they're they're
1: probably way over provisioned mm-hmm. on premises yeah. as well, right? Yeah, they, that's super common, right? Because you, you own the machinery anyway, so you know, off you go.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. When I talk to partners moving their their um, workloads over. One of the first questions I ask is, you know, how they're provisioned and they're running at 30% CPU or 25% uh, RAM, and mm. and in Azure, right? We're in the cloud in general. You want to kind of bump that way higher, otherwise, yeah. it's
1: it's it's wasted money. You're spending money, yep. yeah. yeah. Now, I think it's part of the reasons that people are unhappy when they just move VMs and they look at the prices because they provi- over provision the VM as if it was local hardware.
0: So what are some of the big gotchas that people run into when they're migrating? What are the challenges?
2: I think um, making sure that your application um, configuration, every, everything can take advantage of um, app service. So yeah. so while... while you you can containerize the application uh, and and move it up, right? Um, Mm. You may want to just look and make sure that, um, you know, is your version of .NET supported by um, Azure App Service, right? I think we we support um, uh, .NET 3.5 and above, right? Um, You want to, look at stuff like that you want to make sure that um if it's if it's a kind of a third party um solution you don't kind of own the source control you want to make sure that it's been kind of certified for app service right um do yeah. you want to make sure that, that someone else has done it already <laughs> you know yeah uh, right um so, uh, that, that's, that's the uh, stuff that we
1: commonly see. You don't need to be first. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and again, I'm going to throw the IT hat on here because I'm always a troublemaker in this respect. So, <laughs> the biggest thing yeah. I see moving to the cloud right away is identity.
2: Yeah. Well, it, all right. So, um, when you talk identity, do you mean kind of an, the integrated active directory identity that you're...
1: Well, that, that, but, you know, you're hitting on the big thing there, Mike, right away, right? I'm a dev who's been asked to make these apps run in the cloud, like immediately I need to go talk to IT about how are we going to connect our internal Active Directory to Azure Active Directory. And that's a sentence the average dev never would say, right. willingly, right. right? Like, you know, right away, we're thinking about oh, this is an IT problem, right? I'm generally told how security is supposed to work for my app from IT versus what we were just describing now, which is it's you're not going to be able to authenticate because you're in the cloud now and nowhere near the ad right
0: yeah
2: yeah so if you are not that that's where kind of lifting and shifting into a pez may may not work completely straightforward right if you're if you're going to use this like ntlm or Kerberos authentication in your application you're expecting your user to be connecting on the domain right, right. That, that is something that that will have to be um um re-architected there or you'd have to use um something like windows virtual desktop right um service mm-hmm. in azure uh where they can access the applications um through a domain join machine
1: yeah which is a really super cool solution and i've done a few shows over on the run-ass size for that but it's a long way from yeah it's not dev work that's it work at yeah. that point yeah I solving the problem.
2: Yeah, and if, if you if you can kind of open up uh, the application and the code and and rewrite the authentication layer, right? Then mm-hmm. there are options, right? You um, if you're using Office 365 and your identities are already in. Azure yeah, AD. Great point. Right. So you, so that's um, so it, it's less about having to kind of think someone's done that hard work already, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> um, if not then you probably have ADFS, right? And you can talk to that. So, you know, it the,
1: the work is just also stick needles in my eyes. Isn't <laughs> <right? that's not laughs> mean? Right. Like I like your Office 365 answer better. Yeah. Hey, if we go to Office 365, you're going to address this AD problem. And then I get identity for my app.
2: Yeah. There's also there's also uh, I don't know much about this. There's also AD pass through um, authentication now, Mm -hmm. which which is like a a much simpler version of ADFS. Um, So I don't you don't have to damage your eyes that way you know necessarily
1: uh, you, 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 thought, you said adfs and yeah. i've actually right. employed that and that's why i have such a deep hate for right it. that <laughs> oh wait did i say that out loud that's not right i'm
0: sorry on the inside oh. richard on the inside on the inside <laughs> oh man you
1: know that's the that pain but I will include a link to the Azure Active Directory pass through stuff. Like there are options here, but right. I'm just thinking is it you know, if you're a lead developer and you you've been tasked with these, like you, you better be thinking about this stuff because it's going to bite you very quickly. Yes, yeah, a hundred percent.
2: There there are some there are some instances where some of these internal applications don't even have great authentication. Right? It's a tool. Right. I, I'm guilty of this myself. You built a tool that that people. Like and start using, and it, it becomes mission critical,
1: <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. So, and, and you're <sighs> use, and you've got your own usernames and passwords right. stored in the SQL. It just turns out that right. migrates like a hot damn. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so, so we do have. We uh, are you familiar with the Easy Auth option in App Service? You no, tell us about it. So that 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 option lets you uh, um, kind of add authentication to any any existing uh, application, right? So if I bring an application to App Service, I can throw right in front of it um, uh, Azure AD authentication. So before you visit the site, um, the, the platform, the App Service platform will kind of intercept that and say, oh, you have to authenticate first, right? And then it'll send you to your, your Azure AD, single sign on, you'll sign on there and then and then it'll let you go through to the site. So it's kind of an instant way to build, uh, take like an intranet application and um, and move it to Azure and then use your identity rather than the like kind of the network as the as the boundary, you can use your identity right. now and, nice. and, and log in. So, so yeah, so even if you wanted to add, even if you did build your own kind of, you had your own web forms authentication in there right. and you still wanted to make sure that only... You know your your employees, right, or someone in your Azure AD could access it. It's an easy way to add in. It's just configuration inside of um, App Service. You don't have to write any code. You, you can write code to then access the uh, um, the the principal, the claims, and the token um, to do whatever you want with it. But um, right. mm-hmm. you you don't have to do that.
1: And uh, uh, our friend Maxime Roulier, who has was on the show a while ago talking about Azure Durable Functions, has a .NET Core library on GitHub, specifically around uh, Azure App Service off. So there oh, are really? tools to help you, built by good people. Oh, interesting. I will, I will include the show note links uh, to that because uh, it's, it is it is interesting. Again, if you're willing to crack the code open and do a little work here, you don't have to to drag IT down a major change to the organization. There are ways to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. that's
2: what's that's what I, I, I really like about App Service, just to get all this value just, just by moving your your app there, right? Um there, you know, there's the Easy auth. there's a ton of other like the auto scaling we just talked about. There's yeah. all this stuff you can add to you know, we would say modernize, right? But but just to get some cloud benefit
1: um, out of the application. Um, yeah. And, and solve all those problems. And I, yeah. and I didn't want to spend the whole time on, on security because you can do that. But I'm trying to keep my tinfoil hat off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but what other issues am I going to run into migrating, a, a, you know, an app from my IIS server into uh, an app service role? Um, I,
2: I, I don't know. Um, I, 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 I haven't thought about the... Uh, um, Issues that you'd run into. Uh, we often don't don't see. Uh, I I haven't um, seen many issues um, doing it since App Service is kind of designed exactly for
1: that story, sure. right? Uh, I mean, the only thing I remember early on right. is if you try and write in the registry, a don't do that. Don't do that. And B, it, ain't, it ain't gonna work. And if you're gonna try to write the directly to disk too, that's all a problem
2: all right right and so and so that's what i was saying before that that you need uh com libraries you need the gac configured a certain Mm -hmm. way (laughs) you need uh right um certain things on the file system um any other kind of um handlers and stuff the custom stuff that you've injected iis right you have to kind of assume it's a a pure vanilla, IIS, yes. right? The, the, the ASP.NET is there, obviously. PHP, right? All the, the languages that we support are there. Um, but um, and then even things that require kind of the, the the graphical interface on Windows, like to be able to generate PDF files, um, that that's not going to work. That that's where right. <clears throat> at that point you got to look at at uh,
1: Windows containers, right? Yeah, um, for .NET yeah. framework. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. you've written your own isappy filter.
0: God, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, A,
1: right. <laughs> <Welcome to> nineteen ninety. <1990. laughs> and, and B, okay, we're going to have some challenges, yeah. That's right. Uh, and gentlemen, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message.
0: Hey, Carl here. If you enjoy music to code by, you or someone you know might be interested in the app, which I've generically branded music to flow by. See what I did there? <laughs> it's a subscription model. And if you bought the complete collection of music to code by before October 24th, 2017, you are eligible to win a free six-month subscription. With that, you get access to all the tracks on your phone with offline support. You get continuous play and even a sleep timer. Download music to flow by in your app store and flow on.
1: And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. <laughs> we're talking to Mike Richter about uh, the uh, ongoing challenges. I mean, so many companies are moving stuff into the cloud because they have to, yeah. without a doubt. Like this, right. didn't you know, was the boss, didn't Satchis say it's like two years of digital transformation took place in two months? <laughs>
2: yeah. I not heard that.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, a, it's a key one.
2: Well, it's it's interesting. You know, we um, on on my team around March and April, um, we we were so busy. We had so many things yeah. coming in, um, uh, and, and not and not the big story was people using Teams, um, uh, moving to uh, virtual desktop environments. Yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of um, partners, um, ISVs you know, wanting to bring their applications now um, to Azure. And I think f- the, the perception that we had was um, it, it's not that may- maybe that, that amount of work itself increased, but so many other resources at Microsoft were diverted to the teams and, and virtual desktop and the remote working that there was fewer of us to help. These, these ISVs and software companies and, and partners build solutions. So we just got slammed with so much sure. work. Um, so it was, it was interesting spring, you know, especially the time you're like, Oh my God, are we going to have
1: our jobs? You know, and right. so, so <laughs> all this work coming in, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do see like is, we, you sort of fall, you're either your work stopped or you got slammed. There, there was yeah. no, there, no, nobody was unaffected. Right. You were just like, absolutely. Okay, that's gone. Or it's you need to do everything you can as quickly as possible. Uh, well, we need to continue on this because, you know, we've, we started talking about cost just in shifting VMs. Is app service just cheaper than VMs? Like, why is that?
2: Well, I don't know if it's cheaper, right? You, mm-hmm. um, if you're in the and the free tier, well, then it's free, right? So I guess that's, that's, cheap. price, that's yeah. cheaper. That's <laughs> cheaper. And the shared tier also, where your workload is running on the same VM as as other workloads. Sandbox, but, but on the same VM. And then when you right. move into um, uh, the other tiers, the basic, the standard, those tiers, there is cost. The cost, though, is basically uh, the cost of the underlying VM. Right. right. So, so you can think about it that, yeah. You, so you're still, you're still paying for this VM, um, but you're getting all this service on you're getting this managed service on top of it. you don't have to worry about patching that VM, right? If there's an issue with the VM, the service kind of heals itself. Right. So, so you are, you are right. Paying. And, and that's true with VMs, with, with Kubernetes, right? It, you know, when you, when you're buying compute in the cloud, if you're using one of our managed services or you're using VMs, the compute kind of costs the same, right? Right. Service to service. Um, so, um, you know, what's nice about, about, um, app service is Carl, like you were saying the auto scaling, right? You can deploy, Mm -hmm. you know, on, on much smaller, um, VMs, uh, and then, and have that scale based on, you know, whatever metric, um, is going to be
1: relevant for you to scale on. Right. So your day-to-day cost is lower, and then when you have demand, then you pay more.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I guess when you're coming from on-premises uh, uh, for hardware that you've kind of um, bought and owned, um, you are now paying for a service, right? Right. Uh, but there are ways to think about the total cost of ownership, right, of that VM. Uh, if that VM um, is uh, has to be patched uh, um, and work maintenance has to be done on it, Um also, when you move to Azure, you get kind of a lot of things for free. Um, you know, you get the Azure's regulatory compliance for free, right? You get the ability to, if you need to, load balance that um, across multiple um, geographies, um, if, if that's what make it easier. So, so when you look at, yeah. at it's it's not always apples to apples comparing all all these all the stuff is running on. Hardware on prem compared to moving it to Azure, you, you do get a lot of benefit for the cost of the
1: service. Hmm. Sure, one of the expensive services I've noticed is Azure SQL. That when you run that full time, like they, those are not small ticket items. Nope. Right.
2: Well, um, there, there's there's been a big evolution in how you pay for Azure SQL. There's a lot of options now. Yeah. Right. There. There was um, um, the DTU, right, the data transaction mm-hmm. unit um, mm-hmm. way, which is. It, which was kind of in our traditional way, right? That you would say I need 50 DTUs, 100 DTUs, and that would be kind of an abstract index of IO and CPU and memory, right? Wow. And, and the best way to really know how much you need is just to do a low test, right? There's no yeah. great tools for, for saying, oh, how, ma- how many DTUs do I need? Um, so th- that's still there. But now we have CPU-based pricing and we have um, CPU and storage now are are disconnected so you are paying you, you can scale the storage separately from the cpu um, right. and we do have now for the managed service we do have reserved instances so if you uh do make you know commitments you can see up to 80 percent off right um those services so yes th- that's always a big thing right it is expensive um, um well, it's not always expensive, but 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 that's mm-hmm. that has been a perception
1: that I've, I. I often the DBA reflex of like the correct amount of memory is more, and like you, you always get as much machine as you can for your SQL. Now that you're paying, you know, by the hour for it, you, you need to be a little more judicious.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you can scale. You can scale it as needed too. Yeah. So that's just another you have to think about your database, just like you think about your
1: applications. You know, sure. and yeah. For, right wind down the provisioning at night when it's not busy and wind it up at peak like that's interesting to think about
2: yeah and it's and it's actually um an online operation to scale um up and down Mm -hmm. so you don't think the database offline right um and just and just if you've i I know you uh uh were nervous (laughs) you were not happy to hear about adfs but try to set up, yeah. uh, you know, um, um, a geo replication with SQL Server, right? Yeah, oh, <laughs> yes, no? Yes, no right. are <laughs> Always on
1: yeah. clusters, yeah. Um, yeah. Man, that's hard work. <laughs> so so like, now you talk about real platform pieces. Like I think Cosmos DB is magic. Having done synchronized dis- geo distributed databases, the fact that I can simply turn a knob, pick some countries, and go—it's right. profound. Yeah, And the same with
2: um, SQL database as well,
1: right? You just yeah.
2: point, you say, oh, I want a secondary right here, and then it's done. Um
1: yeah, it's just done for you. Yeah. The, the, the amount of blood that pours out of you to get that stuff to actually work as the DBA, <laughs> like you wondered why they were that grumpy. Right, <laughs> right. So,
2: so I, yeah. So, there, 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 there. You are paying for service, um, mm-hmm. but I think when you look at the value you get, and if you're building applications that, you know, in the cloud, right, and, and modern days, there's no downtime. No one tolerates downtime, right? You, yeah. You, you can't afford to build an app that's like, oh, we're going to be down this weekend, right? Like, this is not fly anymore. So. It's, uh, y- you know, it's, yeah. it's a
1: tra- trade off. People's expectations are pretty high, but I don't, I still think there's lots of folks out there that's like, no, you know what? Our site's really not, they, those apps are not in use on the weekend. Like you can shut them off. It's just, there's no reason to, when you own the hardware, uh, sure. Heck is a reason to when it's in the cloud and you're going to be billed for it.
2: You can shut them off or you can, you can scale them down. All right.
1: Yeah. Just turn. Uh, them off. turn yeah. Um, so it's, uh,
2: you know, um, and, and and also remember like for, software companies you can build different tiers right um of service for your customers right so you can say or or i guess even in in a big enterprise you could tell different departments and organizations if you need this running on the weekend right then we're going to build your cost center x right but if we can shut it down if this is just a nine to five app right we'll build your cost center x so so Mm. you you know you don't have to um have a one-size Fits all model, and same for customers, right? Like you can, uh, in, in a in a SaaS s- scenario, for your really large enterprise customers who need the application running all the time, yeah. then they'll pay a little extra, right? Yeah. Um, so it's uh, you get you that is nice. You get um, this kind of flexibility that you can offer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm also impressed with Azure's instrumentation of .NET apps. Like it's pretty awesome. Do you, where, where do you point people in terms of instrumentation?
2: You mean um, uh, the observability, monitoring, yeah. uh, that stuff? Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's there's um, there's uh, Application Insights, right? Which is mm-hmm. kind of the built-in Microsoft um, application performance monitoring tool. Uh, you, you can bring your own, right? So you can use uh, existing ones. That's fine. But uh, um, what's nice about um, Application Insights is that you can just turn it on even if your app it's a legacy app and hasn't been in, kind of instrumented right. for mm-hmm. sending telemetry. You can just uh, turn that on and start getting telemetry um, um, out of it. You, you won't you won't have kind of the, the hooks inside that if you use the SDK sure. um, to write against, but you can um, start getting that. Um, and then and then from that with Azure Monitor, you can build all kinds of reporting and uh, you can build dashboards. You can build um, alerts. Um, based off of that, right, so send me an SMS if uh, the CPU has been higher than 90% for the past five minutes, you know, so um, all that's really easy. It's like another benefit you get just by bringing it to Azure.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I, I think it's impressive just how well it sees into .NET apps without recompiling, without doing anything. Yeah, Totally get information that way. Well, maybe we should get to the fun parts, right? <laughs> like, that's just getting it up there, right? Now, yeah. when I do start getting into the code, obviously, we can play with the modern authentication models depending on your particular circumstances. But, uh, you know, I, I think in terms of serverless, fun, sort of fun stuff that's there.
2: Yeah, serverless. So so if you, you know, I, I kind of look at it um, moving applications to at service on a spectrum, right? And mm-hmm. on, on, on one end where... You've really customized the operating system and everything we were talking about file system, GAC, the registry. So you're going to target Windows containers, right? Mm-hmm. But on the complete opposite end of that, you know, if you're if you have the source code and it's kind of stateless, lightweight, right? Then why not move that to something like Azure Functions, right? If you can write against the um, Functions SDK. Um, and, and take advantage of that, you know, per execution pricing, um, right. and and that kind of m- much more um, aggressive scaling that it does. You know, um, for each function runs its own sandbox that are and those are scaled, you know, rather than at a VM level, but at that sandbox level. So uh, yeah, Azure Functions is is um, really a good target if, if you're able to do that.
1: I was thinking about looking at an existing set of APIs I've built and thinking, what would it take to move this, to make it into a set of Azure Functions rather than even leave it in an app service? Because I think a lot of that code would just move straight across. Well, you'd
2: you'd have to um, build it against the Azure Function SDK. Right. Right. Now, now you can build a a really simple SDK. Right. It, you can bring in, import your your all your .NET, you know, all your DLLs. Right. And mm-hmm. just use that as kind of the entry point. Right. So if you've got a if, if these are APIs that are being called by HTTP, right, you would in your Azure function, right, you have an HTTP triggered Azure function, should mm-hmm. then turn around and call your 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 application, and then yeah, you've made it serverless.
1: It's pretty cool. And now you're literally paying for the individual call, less provisioning around you altogether.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're paying, um, uh, I, I think you get like a million um, for free per Azure subscription too. So you can you, you can try this out <laughs> risk-free.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, but then and then we have different we have different SKUs, right? So there's Azure Functions consumption plan, and that kind of runs in our managed environment. And then there's like Azure Functions, which will actually be part of App Service, so it it uses the same um, App Service uh, uh, resources. um, Well, whatever App Service resources you've defined, um, that's what it will use um, for scaling. And then there's also um, Azure Functions Premium. Um, and that, that is, uh, um, with that, you have faster cold start times because, in, in that case, we, we keep a VM provision. So you are, in that case, now back to the VM world or, or, or paying for. Um, you're not per execution, but paying per time. Uh, but in that case, uh, uh, you still have the Azure Function SDK, the Azure Function scaling. You have all the great features that you get with Azure Functions, function bindings, and and all that. Um, but but you uh, get the benefits of you, you could be on a VNet, um, so you get a lot of these enterprise features um, if you need those.
1: Right. Yeah. And and yeah, I do. I am seeing folks using functions to sort of decompose that service oriented application architecture, sort of ball of mud of classes that ended up inside of this giant API and and you have to add more instances of everything just because one of them's under high demand. If you can peel that one out as functions, mm-hmm. then that's scaling independently of the bigger ball of mud.
2: Yeah. So if you can refactor the application, like you said, and and turn, you know, it's interesting. A lot of applications uh, are are um, have different libraries that are all talking to each other via reference, right? And if you could. Rewrite that where they talk to each other as service calls, right? Um, and make those all functions. And then yeah, then you would have a really interesting architecture um, that was as cost, you know, efficient as possible. I say yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It almost feels like the same way you would put a VM into the cloud and then peel out pieces as app services. You could now study that app service and start peeling out pieces as functions. All in the name of efficiency and you know cost-effective.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and, and what I see a lot of uh, the partners I work with do is is add uh, a lot of times they 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 have an application right, and uh, the the idea of, of cracking it open, rewriting it is is going to be um, very challenging, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So so a lot of times new functionality will be built as serverless, right? And especially yeah. a lot of the new functionality are, is kind of cloud stuff like, oh, we want to add co- uh, cognitive uh, services. Like um, we want to add right. something like uh, you guys were just talking about this uh, um, uh, on your ML um, 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 podcast, yeah. uh, adding sentiment analysis, right? Right. Uh, a workload like that, right, could be built serverless, right? We, why would we go in and build that now as another library and, and reference it at the DLL, right, in our project um, when we can build that as a service and integrate it that way? So, I, that, that, I think, I think for a lot of these brownfield applications, all the new stuff is taking advantage of um, this new way, the new platform. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense. It's lower risk too, right? Just build the new stuff the new way and leave the old stuff alone unless it's a problem.
2: Yeah, and, and as you know, functions, uh, you're not tied to Azure. You know, you uh, the SDK runs anywhere, right? So you can build that and run it on GCP or AWS or on-prem or anywhere you want, you know, uh, on your, on your uh, Raspberry Pi. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, it's... Um, that's another interesting thing about Azure is how, you know... It, Targeting a lot of these um, um, platform as a service doesn't
1: tie you to our platform, right? Um, sure. So, um, yeah. Speaking of not tied to the platform, it thoughts between .NET Core versus .NET sort of original framework? Because I think a lot of apps coming up Coming up from framework rather than from core.
2: Yeah, I would say you, you know if you could if you have um, the cycles to um, rewrite for .NET Core, or I guess even now .NET five. It depends if you're if you're if you're going to do this project now, and this is kind of self contained applications. And right, there aren't a lot of dependencies. People really don't depend on your project. You could look at at .NET five, I think. Um, but if you can if you can rewrite it, use like there's a tool, the .NET portability analyzer, which will oh, yeah. analyze your your applications. Um, and I, I think AWS actually has a tool that does this too. <laughs> but but uh, um, yeah, it'll look at your applications and tell and tell you uh, your compatibility with .NET Core. So I, I would move to .NET Core. You know, I, I worked with a lot of. Um, a lot of partners who, who want to get out of Windows licenses, want to get out of SQL Server licenses, and they, uh, so they're moving to Linux and .NET Core gives them that opportunity. And you get the performance benefits of doing it. So if that, if that is a possibility, you know. Core is faster. Is that what you're saying? I, I yeah, I, I, that's the. Uh, there've been a lot of studies that show .NET Core,
1: um, and it's really Core on Linux versus Core on Windows. Yeah, .NET Core on okay. Linux. Yeah.
0: Core, core on Linux is probably faster than Core on Windows, but Core on Windows is yeah. faster than .NET on Windows.
1: Core on Windows is faster than .NET Framework on Windows. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I would also think less resource intensive too. So again, if I'm going to keep because it's, it's almost like a CFO standing over my shoulder or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's like, hey, that would uh, that might also be the least expensive way to execute that same piece of work to run it as .NET Core on on Linux. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, when you when you get to like Azure Functions now and you're paying per invocation of the function yeah. yeah you want you want you know your code can cost you uh you can start getting multiple you know multiplications higher of uh you know of costs right. based on inefficiently written code and then yeah and then on the framework
1: you're using so um this yeah. represents overhead to make that stuff work so of course you're gonna end up having to pay for it but it's interesting to start thinking in terms of this literally dollars per transaction or pennies per transaction mm-hmm. and that you could cut it in half or more if you get it by, by switching up the platform a bit.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean that, that is, that is the, uh, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest reasons. Another reason is, is there are, there are, um, uh, partners I work with who just want to start working with containers, um, just because the whole industry is moving in that direction, <laughs> and uh, uh, and so uh, I think it's just an easier um, way to go when you're when you're um, working with um, smaller, you know, a two hundred meg image of a of a Linux container. If it's even that big, than a, a, two, yeah. a two gig Windows container image. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and just while there is net Windows support in Kubernetes now, um, you, you know there there's just um, something to being in the kind of Linux ecosystem um, and sure. using that. Yeah. So so that's kind of the the other reason. And and if you're using Docker, right, and you want to kind of take advantage of all the Docker kind of DevOps tools that are out there like I was saying before you can you can use kubernetes but if, if your solution doesn't really need it if you don't need that complexity app service like I said you could still target app service with those containers yeah. and still have that you modern want. DevOps and be able to share your application and get all the benefits of docker and then and then even the benefits of app service so so you know you don't you don't have to go down the kubernetes um,
1: uh, you know rabbit hole if if you don't if you don't really need to. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but all this serverless stuff under the hood is containers. You just don't have to own the container. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so when your yeah. boss says, are oh, you using containers? You go,
0: yes. Yeah, yeah. And you it also it don't you have to, cost, no problem. you also don't have to manage the containers, which is probably even the bigger yeah, headache. You, you eliminate complexity for yourself. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: It's, I love it. Yeah. It's, um, uh, functions and f- functions. just a fun, um, uh, um, place to build applications, too. That's we, it. Uh,
0: Putting the fun whoa. back in functions. <laughs> functions.
2: <right>? <laughs> <laughs> we, had, uh, we had an internal uh, uh, um, hack uh, a couple weeks ago. I was coaching uh, some some people at Microsoft who are getting up to speed on, on our stuff, and they had so much fun building uh, functions. It was a serverless hack, so using a lot of our serverless um, uh, I, I, you know, serverless, uh, you know, it's become kind of another name for PaaS and anything that doesn't require you right. to use VMs. Is serverless, so Cosmos DB is serverless and Service Bus is serverless. <laughs> so, uh, but but the way that functions has uh, are you familiar with functions bindings? Um, you you can you can bind uh, um, inputs and outputs into your Azure function in the in the in the um, As part of as method parameters, and you can write to storage, read from storage, write to Cosmos, and instead of writing all that boilerplate writing against the SDK, um, you just use functions to do that. And your your actual Azure function is like a few lines of code, (laughs) you know, and all the work is in the bindings. It's uh, and and that's what you know. I I, I listened to the 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 call with HashiBaya on Dapper, right? Dapper is based on the bindings um, from Azure Functions um right and so um that uh that just makes it so much easier right especially if you're going to be writing applications that are going to be just writing to cosmos db constantly right, right? um you, you can you can use um buying. so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun building in functions it's awesome
0: i think we're just about cool. out of time is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to uh yeah. talk about real quick
2: um no, you know they're, 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 we we only talked really about a fraction of the of the, the services, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and the kind of capabilities. So
0: you I think know, you um, should come back for part two. What do you think, Richard? Yeah,
1: yeah. Sure. We got to cover. Like, I want to cover at least half the five hundred. Yeah, like, <laughs> go for it. Right? Get Twenty seconds <laughs> per service. <laughs> <Go>.
0: <laughs> if you can get a yeah. thousand retweets, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll, we'd love to
1: have you back. I bet you couldn't say the names of 500 services. I can't uh, say oh, the names man. of
0: 500 anything.
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm saying, right? Like that, and you can't say Azure that many times without sounding really weird. <laughs> I, I, I meant that we, we only
2: cracked the surface on 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 App Service itself, so yeah. we could do a hauler show.
1: It's a great starting point. So yeah, great place. to start. Yeah, uh, we got
0: to have you back again yeah, and sure, again. Man. All right, Mike. Thanks. It's been great. I learned a lot.
2: Cool. Thanks. Yeah, this, this, is fun. this is nice. a, it's fun. I feel like a big uh, mile, uh, um, career achievement milestone for me being on .NET Rocks. Uh,
0: from so here on you. in, it's just work. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> uh, I can retire uh, you know, knowing I've, I've made it. Right. So thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks again. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.